Hello, hello everyone. I'm Peter Resnick and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. I want to apologize to those of you who tuned in last week and were probably disappointed. Instead of having a live show, we had to run a show from the archives because the studio had some problem with internet. But today it's all up and running. Last week, I chose to rerun a show that spoke about the debater within, and I hope you found useful of some of you. First, I want to start with a little, as usual, with a little show and tell. I found a nice quote by Friedrich Nietzsche. And those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. I think somehow it, it reflects well what is happening these days. There are people who cannot or choose not to hear the sounds which are so clear to those who can hear. Something is happening in the Western world in the last 20 or more, maybe 30 years. The sounds are becoming louder and clearer. The sounds which are warning everyone who can hear that there are forces in progress which are interested in taking control over the world. People who can hear are called by those who cannot hear conspiracy theories. Fortunately, uh, there are changes happening, but those who want this takeover, uh, do it quite deliberately, don't, don't even hide. They said on a number of occasions, new world order, new world order. And it's slowly happening. So fortunately, as I said, there are people who are ready to resist. Uh, my friend, Dr. Robert Yocha, you may remember I interviewed him here about his book, Butchered by Healthcare Rights. There are three men in our world that have an impact on humanity unlike anybody else in history. They have the power to steer a vast portion of the human race in a good or bad direction. And no, they are not presidents of any country. They influence in a way greater than politics. I'm talking about Elon Musk, Tucker Carlson, and Joe Rogan. Nobody on the face of the earth has a greater influence on mankind than these three combined. Each of them has a worldwide audience of hundreds of millions of people, giving them more power than mainstream media. To give you an idea of their media power, a recent broadcast of Tucker Carlson reached over 400 million people, which means, in fact, 427, I believe, which means about one out of every 14 people in the world saw this show. 
Joe Rogan has 3 billion views on the YouTube channel, not including the Spotify, Rumble, and X accounts. Elon Musk has 166 million followers on his X account, making him one of the largest social media profiles in the world. Together, these three reach a vast portion of the entire world population on an ongoing basis. And I believe these three have understanding of what's going on in the world. So I very much encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, to listen to these three people. Well, let's go now back to what I promised to do with emails first. I, to, I promised, remember, I will be answering your emails. And I received, in fact, uh, only a few days ago, this email. And I think I want to answer it before any other. Uh, which I actually tried to answer this email in my mind. Uh, and ended up spending a whole weekend thinking about the subject. Here is the part of Eric's email. Why there is so much evil in the world? It seems that humanity did not learn the lessons from the past. At first, Eric, I went down the road you offered that I go, and it was easy. I thought of all the bad things which happened just in my lifetime since I became aware of what was happening and actually started paying attention how things started and how they ended, meaning maybe from the age of 1820. Of course, looking through the lens of the filtered news we received in the Soviet Union where I grew up, in the last 60 years, wars like Vietnam War, Russian invasion of Afghanistan, genocides like in Darfur and Rwanda, and artificially created mass starvation like the Chinese one, the war uh, in the form of Yugoslavia where people started killing each other the moment the Soviet system collapsed, uh, control collapsed. Two wars in Iraq, September 11. And I just went on and on thinking about all the bad things that happened, Eric. And then, of course, I went down the rabbit hole of going back in history, beyond my lifetime. I went all the way back to the Egyptians and the Hyksos, and the Assyrians, and the Babylonians, and the Persians, and the Greeks, and the Romans, and the Turks, the Spanish, and the Portuguese, the Inquisition, the slaughter of the Native Americans, then the rise of the British Empire, and them colonizing a quarter of the world, and then the World War II, or first World War I, that took 10 million people, and then World War II, over 50 million people died. I could see how someone could actually get depressed or pessimistic about the future of the world. 
in my youth, one of my favorite subjects was history. In fact, I at some point I wanted to become a teacher of history. Uh, fortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, so I know a lot about different cultures which were destroyed when and how. It seems that the whole world history is one of continuous murder, rape, torture, genocide, slavery, colonization, and some training in between, some exploring in between, and some building in between, which eventually led to envy by the neighbors and new wars, more slaughter and more devastation. And then I went back to the Bible. God created humans and gave them freedom to choose. And what did they do with that freedom from the very start? The first two human beings, Cain and Abel. Remember, Adam and Eve are not really human, as we know humans to be. Adam and Eve were not born through the uterus. God created Adam from earth, and then God created Eve from the side of Adam. But Cain and Abel, two human beings, the very first one, and only one survived, one murdered by the other. And it went all downhill from there. It got so bad that God had to wipe them all out in the flood. So are we doomed, ladies and gentlemen? I do not think so. There is another side to the story of the human evil. Here we are in the 21st century. The fact that we hear on the news about bad things is a good sign, not a bad sign. It means good is a norm. Centuries ago, slaughter of people, of whole communities, was a norm. Now the norm is peace. And the, when the war happens, everyone knows about it. There are more good people than bad people, but good people do not make the news. When bad people do something which is natural to them, more and more often we hear the outrage in the communities of good people about the atrocities committed. I read the book some 10 years ago, written by Steven Pinker, uh, the, better, the Better Angels of Our Future. Huge book, 900 pages, of which 105 pages are references. The author really did a lot of research. It is not a book of the author's thoughts and opinions. It is a book of solid data based on a scrupulous investigation. He demonstrated that in every aspect of life on earth, not only warfare between the communities, but also violent crime, capital punishment, execution rates, torture used by uh, torture used legally 
by the law enforcement, torture used as a form of punishment. And as we get closer to my modern age, number of motion pictures in which animals are harmed, violence on the basis of race and religion, all of the above have been steadily moving down. I know with what you hear right now in the news sounds like everything is worse. No, all these numbers are going down and became almost nominal compared to the olden times when it was all uh, just a normal way of life. In fact, there are numerous international organizations now committed to helping people in need around the world without the regard for their religious, tribal, political, or any other affiliations. This is indeed the hope of humanity. Yet there will be always people who are willing to kill, to promote addictive drugs, to sell adults and children into prostitution, to profit on human suffering. But there is a growing number of charitable organizations committed to feeding the hungry, helping the needy, like Salvation Army, Catholic Charities USA, Feeding America, United Way Worldwide, Compassion International. I donate money to Charity Water. It's an organization, not a huge one, not like uh, Salvation Army. Nevertheless, it digs wells so far in 28 countries in Africa and Asia for people who would not otherwise have access to clean water. I also support Doctors Without Borders, a charity that provides humanitarian medical care. It's a non-governmental organization of French origin, known for its projects uh, in conflict zones. And we see all this movement for human rights, animal rights, appearing in countries in which the word freedom and rights would be unsafe even to say out loud. So Eric, this was a long answer to your simple question about good and evil in our, on our planet. I'm hopeful. I believe as humanity, we are moving into, in the right direction. But still, there are people for whom violence is the only way to be. Most of the time, these people are those who don't go to die themselves. There are people who stand outside and send others to die. Then I firmly believe that the way for society that aspires to live in peace and freedom is to take lives, not only of those who perpetrate violence, but also those who inspire it. All right, now we change the subject. During this week, I was thinking about the, the talk that we had a couple of weeks ago on the purpose of life. And the story came to my mind 
probably many of you know it, but maybe some of you don't. So if you heard it before, please bear with me. Uh, an American businessman is visiting India. He sees a young man, his age, sitting, sitting under the tree, doing nothing, just looking at passers-by, smiling. A ripe banana falls from the tree. The young man picks up the banana and eats it slowly, enjoying each bite. The American businessman tells the Indian man, why are you sitting here doing nothing with your life? And the man replies, and what do you think I should do? The American says, well, you could climb the tree, pick many bananas, many, many bananas, tie them together, as many as you can carry, and take them to the market. And the Indian says, and then, well, you sell these bananas, go back and forth a few times, and you will get enough money to buy a basket. And the Indian says, and then? And then you will have to work many weeks hard, but eventually you will get enough money to buy a bicycle. And you will attach two baskets, one on the, on the front of the bicycle, one on the back. And you will work very hard. That's the truth. But you, day after day, will sell so many bananas that you will be able to buy a truck. You will be able even to hire other people to work for you. And you will become a supplier of bananas to many stores. You may become rich. And then the Indian asked, sorry. Uh, and the American said, you will be old by then but you will become very rich and you will be able to retire and rest and sit under the tree and enjoy a banana. And of course, the Indian said, and that is exactly what I'm doing right now. Uh, it's an interesting parable and it's a very Eastern, very Indian story. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I really like this story. I heard it maybe 20 or more years ago. And it's still interesting philosophical approach. When you think about people spending a lifetime working hard to earn more and more money, and in the process, forgetting how to enjoy this hard earned money. I met some of these kind of people. Uh, but there is a spiritual consideration to why we need to work. I would say there is another way to look at the situation. And though important for survival, money is secondary. Those of you who believe in God, that God created the world, and that God created it with a purpose, did you ever ask yourself a question? Why did God want us to work? Animals do not need to work. They wake up, eat from the trees or eat from other animals. And if there is no food available, they go hungry till they find food that is suitable to them. But no work. 
no buying or selling, no mortgages, no late payment fees. Because animals do everything by instinct. They have no freedom to choose. They have a way to hunt in packs or alone, to eat from the tree or from the grass. And there is no other way. Humans can choose what they eat and how they get their food, what they do with their time, and what they do with the wealth they acquire. Here is an idea. God wanted us to work because through work, we'll be forced to interact with other people, to communicate, to create communities, which would make easier for everyone uh, to acquire food, uh, to live together, to help each other. Shortly, God did not want us to be in one place, to know only our closest relatives, to eat, to breathe, and to die. God wanted us to interact with each other, and by doing so, to refine who we are to grow as human beings, because God wanted us, instead of focusing on how much money we make, to focus on why this or that person is in our life. What we can learn from the experiences that we have, how we can contribute to our community, to our world, and that brings us a full circle to what I started today with, with Eric's email. We're here to find a way from being selfish, inconsiderate, violent, merciless, to becoming caring, considerate, tolerant, forgiving, kind, and loving. And according to Steven Pinker, we're slowly millennia after millennia, succeeding. And if we do not blow ourselves up with a nuclear war and do not become subjugated by radical Islamists and do not become subjugated by those who want to control the world and make us, make the world uh, a unified Soviet Union, the way it was, because I see signs of that. And radical Islamists would want to bring us back to 7th or 9th century. If we kept, keep heeding to, as Pinker called it, better angels of our nature, we may, just may one day, become fully who we were intended to be, beings in the image and likeness of God. God, I'm looking, it, time is running, it's already 2.25. And this is just the beginning of the show. <laughs> so I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to call with your comments or questions, you're welcome to do today. Uh, the number here is 888 4888. Also, if you have difficulties listening to us through the internet, you can 
use the listen live by phone number and it is 641 641 7937091 641 my email is peter, number 18, Resnik, R-E-Z, N as Nancy, I-K, dot com. <clears throat> now, before we go to our Bible talk, let me give you, <clears throat> excuse me, let me give you yet another tool from the workshop. Remember, I promised you to give you piece by piece information from the workshop, keeping sanity in the world that went crazy. Uh, I didn't hear much feedback regarding the tools that I have been giving you. So please, if you don't mind, at least send me a couple of words. Um, should I continue giving the tools or it's irrelevant. Uh, one more tool I wanted to tell you. Uh, no? Okay, sorry, I thought it, it was a message. Um, our internal dialogue. Thoughts we have about our life. You know, when somebody says something to us, and it's negative, uh, we can actually disagree. It's, it comes to our conscious awareness. If somebody tells you, you are fool, you may actually get angry and say, you are fool. Or you may just think about something that the person said and said, now that's nonsense. But when you speak to yourself, there is no one to monitor it unless you choose to do that unless you choose to become aware of your own thoughts. Pay closer to your thoughts. Hello? <clears throat> um, I don't know if we have good reception, if you can hear me, ladies and gentlemen. I will continue talking. So what I want to say is never say anything to yourself about yourself that you do not want to become true. Because you are most vulnerable to your own thoughts, because you are not censoring them. So, and if negative thoughts come, you simply say, oops, that's it, and do the opposite. Acknowledge the possibility of the opposite. Do you understand? A, a, a while ago, I already spoke, shared with you this concept. Because if you are aware of something, that means there is awareness within you of the opposite. Like if you say it's cold. Okay, we have a call. That's very nice. So I finished my thought. If you have a thought, it's cold. It means you're aware of what it is not to be cold. It means you're aware of uh, warmth or heat. If you think, I feel miserable, or it's terrible, 
it means you're aware of something good. So you, when the bad thought comes, you need to say, oops, that reminds me of the possibility, ta-ta-ta, and say something positive instead of wallowing and reinforcing in your mind the negative. That's the tool. Now let's take the call from Lincoln Brown from Vermont. Hello, Lincoln. Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon. Oh, Mount Vernon. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hi, Lincoln. Mount Vernon, Thanks. New York. Yeah. I really like sometimes when you reference the Bible. But um, before I make a comment, I want to ask you, do you put as much um, importance on the New Testament as you do the Torah, the Old Testament? Uh, good question. Uh, absolutely not. I will explain to you why. Because I'm not a specialist in the New Testament. What I found, many of my personal friends and listeners, and because I, re I get emails, tell me, wow, it's so interesting the way you talk about the Torah, about uh, Old Testament. I studied it in, in school or sometimes uh, my, my preacher or my priest uh, makes references, but I never heard such deep ex uh, explorations of the Old, uh, on, on the old, old Testament. So for those who are following Judaism, it's not important for them. They're not interested in the New Testament. But for those who follow the New Testament, there's still the foundation or the whole new teachings of New Testament come from the Old Testament. Jesus was a Jew. Mm -hmm. He talked to, Jew, to Jews. So it's still useful for them to know about uh, the depth of how much you can learn from the Old Testament. And then, mm -hmm. I am not a specialist on the New Testament. Uh, then they can... Uh, continue their studies, and they are probably uh, doing their studies of a New Testament. But this, if, let's say, I would be a Christian, that's what I would be primarily talking about, because that's I, I would be studying in depth a New Testament. But why would I, I go to something that I really don't know much about? I studied both. Oh, you and did? And I put equal Yes, I put equal emphasis on both. And I, I want to um, say, make a comment. And you said that God wanted man to work. Um, in the Old Testament, when, when I speak of Adam's, what they call Adam's sin, uh -huh. yes, he did sin. But I also think that Adam's sin is symbolic of man's derailment of man from, from the truth and from what man wants was. And unlike most people, I believe that man has devolved rather than evolved. Because I do believe that when we were first created, we had telepathic abilities, etc. And I believe that everything, every invention man have is to make up for what he once had. Man was much greater than, than, than what he is. And to show you how much power, was, which was God endowed in man, the earth was almost perfect. 
It was so perfect that man was not given clothing or housing because he could just lay out on the grass, maybe like a carpet. But there was so much power endowed in man that when man departed from the truth, all these elements, these negative things start occurring. According to the Bible, lions were once omnivorous. There was no flesh-eating animal. And it's after that 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 animals started eating flesh. It was also after that that storms and earthquakes started to occur because there was so much power endowed in man that man's negative choice could throw off the vibration of the earth. Now, you, you said that God wanted man to work. The Torah said, when Adam sinned, God said to him, because of your sin, you shall now um, eat bread by the sweat of your brow. So it was not intended for man to work like that. And, and, and um, so, so, one second, one second, let me, let me, I don't want to get lost. So, 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 so that, but then there's a scripture that says, all things work for the good for those who love the Lord, which means that it's almost like God had something designed like a GPS. Every time you make an error, the GPS corrects you. So there's a built-in G- GPS God, that God placed here. Now, I, I know I'm say, trying to say quite a few things. Um, w- one of the things um, in terms of, of, of when I said that, I want to just elaborate a pinch on when I say when man got derailed, many things started happening, and that man was once great. Like, for example, the telephone, um, etc. These are things to make up for our one's telepathic ability. You know, every, everything man does is an imitation of nature. You know, man, man we could tra- teletransport ourselves, etc. I've had experiences where I, it, it, my, you know, you probably wouldn't, it would be tough for some people to believe it. You know what I'm saying? The power that's within us. And so I, I love some of what you do. I love that you touch on the Bible, but also to, but, but, but um, I want you to, to you, should, you should explore the, 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 the New Testament because Revelations literally speaks about what's happening right now. It is even more accurate than what, than what's his name's book, 1984. And I, um, he got some of his ideas from Revelations, you know, like the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast was talking about what would be happening now with, with the... Um, the, the cashless society, etc. So I would implore you to to try to start looking into Revelations as much as you do um, the Torah, and you don't have to look into it because you're trying to become a Christian. But right. read it just as a book to yeah. read, and 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 juxtapose them, you know. And I've been listening to you for quite a while. I've been meaning to call in, and I hope to call in and converse with you some more. Um, because there's much more I could say on the subjects, you know, the Thank Old Testament and the New Testament. Thank you. I really appreciate your call. You make a, a number of very good points. And But before I, I talk about them, I want to say maybe it's a good idea. I will actually look into Revelations because I am quite familiar with uh, the Gospels. I didn't study them in depth, but I'm, I've read all the Gospels. And um, I don't believe I'm that familiar with the revelations of St. John. So 
uh, I will look into it. But also, I'm happy that people like you call in and contribute. What you're saying now will make some people look into revelations and possibly they will uh, find what you are saying, um, analogy to what's happening now in the world and revelations and possibly uh, John was in fact looking into our times. So, um, but thank you. Thank you very much for calling. And uh, I want to make comments about um, Adam and Eve and what they, some people called sin, or I called it an error, because actually there is no, there is no word for sin in Hebrew language. The word actually is hat. Hat literally means missing the mark. So it's, it's a kind of misplacement. They were supposed to do one thing, they, they missed the mark. And so what God, I don't know about telepathic abilities, I um, did not read anywhere about people having, Adam and Eve having telepathic abilities, but I, I, I don't not believe in it, possibly they did. Because indig some indigenous uh, people, like uh, people of a tribe of Tarahumara in Andes, that's how till they brought in telephone, uh, were communicating between the tribes this way. So, but um, when Adam and Eve uh, chose to experiment, that is not to listen to, the, to one voice, they chose to experiment on their own with good and evil, experiment in life rather than being told exactly what to do, exactly what is good for them. Uh, is it bad? That's, it's difficult to judge. We are product of this choice that they made. Possibly um, the world would be very different uh, if they did not make that choice and maybe there would be less violence and maybe there would be no violence at all and indeed animals originally were not were, um, vegetarian but I don't know if there would be so much learning and so much growth and I think God was interested in people finding their own way including accepting that they make will make the choice not to listen to God, but to go on their own journey. How do I know it? Because God knows past, present, and future, because God is not within the time. God is beyond the time. God is not physical. So, so God, for God, creation of the world and the end of this universe is just like a second. So God knew in advance about the choice they will make. And nevertheless, God still created the universe, created humanity, and gave us all these opportunities to go on our journeys and opportunities to listen or not to listen to the voice of God. So we are where we are. And I think that any time whoever chooses can reconnect, we call it the word, there is a uh, word, teshuva, 
which literally means reconnect. We can choose to reconnect with God and listen to God's word. How do we listen to God's word? My understanding, it is through our intuition. What Lincoln said that we could communicate telepathically, people who communicated telepathically, and in fact, there are actual experiments done and were done in the Soviet Union uh, some 60 years ago, 70 years ago, uh, on telepathic messages. There is a book called Psychic Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain. Two women traveled to the Soviet Union some 50 years ago and wrote this book. And in the Soviet Union, they did a lot of experimentation with this sending messages telepathically. So it is very possible. But we all are able to receive messages, what I believe, from our higher self, which is part of God. And that is through our intuition, through that event that happens in our mind and body simultaneously. That's why I wrote an article that you can read on my website. Uh, if you go on my website, drpeterresnik.com, on the articles you will read the article called Intuition. So, uh, well, let me go back to my subject. Again, I thank you, uh, Lincoln, for calling, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you uh, more, and, and you, you're more than welcome to share your insights that you're getting from the New Testament. Anyway, but slowly but surely we're moving uh, chapter by chapter through the Torah, through the Old Testament. Uh, we are finally back to page, to chapter uh, 19. We ended with verse 14, uh, where Lot, Lot, is, is leaving the, the town and the angels are destroying the, the city and the Sodom. And what is written, and, and yes, I remember we, we spoke about it, that uh, he was viewed, it's written, that he was looked at as, as if he were a clown, a jester. He was not taken seriously by his sons-in-laws when he said that angels will destroy the city. Pretty much like some people who are called now whistleblowers or conspiracy theorists, they're warning humanity about what's going on in politics, but they looked as, as I said, conspiracy theorists. Although now, you know, Bobby Kennedy is speaking about vaccination, Bobby Kennedy is talking about all these cons real conspiracies Hopefully, he will be able to speak up in the years to come, even if he does not become a president, which doesn't seem that will happen. But a lot of truth is coming out. But anyway, so Lot is living, and we have one situation. Remember, when I talk to you about the characters of the Bible, the Bible is not only a spiritual text, spiritual guidance, moral guidance, but it's also a set of archetypal stories, 
they teach us about life. So we have a situation here in 19th chapter where it's written as, as Lot and his wife and his daughters left the town, it's written, and his wife and an angel said, go ahead, leave the town and do not look back. And it's written, and Lot's wife looked back from behind him and she became a salt pillar or pillar of salt. Uh, interesting, right? It, it basically it was a desert uh, beyond the city. There was a lot of sand. Why didn't she become a sand sand pillar or a rock? Why didn't she become water? She became a pillar of salt. We know that the chemical formula of tears is sodium chloride salt. She regretted, and I think that's the message. She regretted, she cried for the past because she was from there, from those people, and she became salt. And in my experience, people, when people are suffering from any type of, or any uh, sclerotic problem, whether it's osteoporosis or arterial sclerosis, most of the time, Upon examination, we find some kind of deep regret. They're harboring some deep regret in their conscious awareness or right under the surface of the conscious awareness, which can be easily accessed through mental imagery or night dreams. In the following verses, we learn that Lot and his daughters survived in the mountains and imagine the whole this from from the mountains they see this inferno though the city is burning and they pretty uh, pretty much believe that the whole world is disappearing they thought that the world being destroyed because the daughters of lot conspire they think what will happen if there are no men and no women anymore? So human race will disappear. They think that they are only survivors and they decided uh, to get pregnant by their father. They got him drunk uh, and one one night, the other, the other night they sleep with their father and they both conceive and uh, one gives birth to a boy um, whose name is given Moab, and the other one, Ben-Ami. And eventually, the, the end of the chapter, uh, we know that these two, Ben-Ami and Moab, become adversaries of the descendants of Abraham. What we are taught in this chapter, and the whole story of Lot is very interesting. He was taken captive by, remember in previous chapter, by the four kings who took over Sodom. If it wouldn't be for Abraham who rescued him, he and his family would end up being slaves. He lost his wife, 
and he fathered children for his daughters. The lesson, when you choose, uh, when you choose material pursuits over what you feel morally is right, and remember, Lot chose to live in Sodom, which was a perverse city full of evil and, and uh, robbery and rape. In fact, it was customary for people to rape uh, visitors, strangers. Nobody gave them refuge. So, and yet it was profitable for Lot. Somehow he was not an evil person. And that's why he welcomed the strangers and wanted to protect them, the strangers who happened to be uh, angels. So he was not a bad person, but he chose to be in a bad place, to live in a bad place because it was profitable. And look how his life was affected, his children and grandchildren. That's what happens when we make the wrong choices. The choice is based on material interests rather than what is right for us to do. Generations to come pay the price. And that's where uh, chapter 9 ends. And uh, the chapter, and uh, let me see, the chapter 20 is about Abraham settling in Gerar. Oh, it's a nice story. It's it's an interesting story, kind of uh, Abimelech, which is pretty much a king of what is now called Gaza. Uh, in that time, there were people who were called Philistines. It's an interesting name. It's definitely not uh, the present Palestinians because uh in 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 arabic there, there is no letter p uh so palestinians they would never choose this um name to themselves that's really invention of of the romans uh but the philistines originally the the people of um philistia it's also an interesting kind of group of people because Anthropologists were trying to understand who these people were. And the uh, Hebrew word for Philistine is conqueror. And Herodotus, Greek uh, historian Herodotus, speaks about Philistines as being conquerors from Greece. These were people who uh, settled, who came on their ships and settled in that area, and they were originally from the islands, which we call now Greece. And so Abimelech uh, welcomes uh, Abraham and his wife, and Abraham does the same thing that he did when they went to Egypt. He tells um, Abimelech, because he's afraid that Abimelech will kill him because his wife is so beautiful, he tells Abimelech that Sarah is his sister. And Abimelech takes her 
to his quarters. And of course, God makes it happen that he cannot, he, he gets some kind of uh, disorder um, and his whole household gets a skin disorder. And if, of course, he cannot um, have intimacy with Sarah. And then he goes to sleep and God speaks to Abimelech and tells him, hey, this woman is a married woman. And Abimelech uh, then uh, wakes up, understands the story, uh, tells, first tells uh, Abraham, why did you lie to him? And Abraham gives the same answer, because otherwise you would kill me. And Abimelech doesn't argue. But he understands that God speaks on Abraham's behalf. And so he offers offers Abraham a peace treaty for forever and ever. So they actually, I don't know if they shake hands or they drink together, but they make a peace treaty. So what we are learning that God does not only come to Abraham and his descendants, God speaks to whoever God wants. And there is a reason for it. Later on in the book of Exodus, we'll see that God speaks to Moses, but also God speaks to Bilam, the prophet of Gentiles. Because God always wants to know that he cares. But, uh, oops, I have a feeling that we got disconnected again. No? Okay. So, but here the chapter is, uh, the two, in, in chap, chapter about Abimelech, we also learn something interesting because even though Abraham lives uh, in the land of Philistines, the people there begin to envy. They envy success of Abraham and they, uh, what is the word? So they fill with dirt the, the wells that Abraham digs. And that brings us uh, very to a very interesting point, and that is that when people are successful and they don't have power, they become uh, objects of hate because they don't have a power to protect themselves, military power, strength. But they are doing better than people who, who are natives, because this was the land of Philistines. And so this partial at least explains uh, anti-Semitism over the centuries, because every time Hebrews um, would settle after the expulsion from, uh, by Romans from the Holy Land in the first century, they would settle and because they were travelers and because they were um, familiar with commerce and also because all of them, and it was the only society in the world where 100% literate, they would do well in whatever community they lived in. And whenever uh, in, the, in the culture, in the country, people would be not doing so well the king or the ruler of that time, rather than saying, oh, I have failed you or I cannot find a way to help you out, they would actually instigate this 
resentment, uh, and sometimes people just themselves resented their their neighbors who were doing well, always doing well, and it happened for so many reasons. In the 11th century, it was that Jews were expected to what they believed poison the wells because cholera was rampant in 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 Europe, and only. Hebrews were, or, or the Jewish communities were not getting sick and for a very simple reason, because uh, Jews wash their hands every time they go to the bathroom, every time before they eat, they need to wash hands and, and bless food. So, but people did not wash uh, in, in Europe throughout centuries. Hygiene really became known in, in uh, 19th century, uh, maybe the end of 18th century. So, so when somebody is doing better than you, there are two ways to look at it. Either to say, what are they doing? Maybe I can learn from them. Or the easiest way is to simply resent them. That's my take on uh, at least one of the reasons anti-Semitism uh, lived for so many years in the world. But we are going to get back to chapter 22, to a very important time of the birth of, not the birth of Isaac, but what happened uh, after Isaac became um, a grown, grown man, and Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. So, but we'll talk about it hopefully next week. And till then, I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback about today's uh, meeting, or you can call it show, whatever it's called. And if you have any questions, please write to me, uh, peter18resnik at gmail.com. Thank you very much for being with me today. And I wish you good life, be happy, peace to all who want to live in peace.